All right, so uh, thank you guys for coming. Um, we are the Two Black Two Nerdy Podcast. Um, I'm one of those, Chris. And I'm your host, Chris. Yeah, yes, it's confusing. We're both named Chris. His with a K, mine with a C. Um, so we're a local Detroit uh, podcast. So we do movie and TV reviews. We sometimes branch into like political and social discussion. Um, we're both Michigan natives, born and raised. I grew up in Southfield. I mean, I was born in Georgia and then moved up here. Uh, yeah, so I've uh, been in Michigan for most of my life and a nerd all my life. Yeah, so um, kind of the purpose of this panel is, um, you know, we really want to just discuss, you know, what it's like, you know, as black folks, you know, being in, you know, a lot of these nerd spaces, obviously, if you're at Yomacon, you exist somehow. So we were going to talk about some of our experiences, you know, maybe give a little advice if there are some younger folks in here where the uh where the anime uncles nowadays um and then uh we'll have a question and answer portion so if you want to share anything um feel free to or ask us any questions um definitely like an open floor and sort of like a safe space for anybody who wants to discuss some of their experiences good bad um etc so um chris you got the backup here right yeah, i don't have to pull up okay yeah. All right, so I guess from the from the start, we'll talk about growing up black and nerdy. Uh, so I guess we'll almost like we're kind of interviewing each other. So, yeah. Chris, uh, how how was it? You know, did, when did you like first start to identify as a nerd? What were some of the things that you were into growing up? You know, how you treated friends, family, etc. That kind of thing. Oh, I, I I didn't have a choice to I didn't choose the nerdy life. The nerdy life chose me. I come from a family of nerds. Like my my mom is, is a, a Trekkie. My dad is like a, a music nerd, and then he like collected comic books growing up and everything until my grandma threw him out, uh, and then he passed that on to us. Um, so like I'm the youngest of three. So my brothers read comic books, and I would go along with them and. Uh, I think, you know, like the first comics I were collecting were Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, the, the Archie comics. Oh, I have Sonic Phase 2. Mm-hmm. I had uh, played Pokemon all throughout, uh, still do from time to time. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, you know, the, those were the, the foundational uh, anime of my childhood. But uh, yeah, so, and I think I, I had a lot of uh, nerdy friends at various levels. Um, I, I went to go see uh, Film Red with one of my best friends. He got me into One Piece, but he kind of fell off. Like some of our other friends fell off and I just kept going. So then I brought them back into it, especially during the pandemic. I had my friends watch all of One Piece, which is something because I haven't even watched all of One Piece. I've just read all of One Piece. Um, so yeah, at least when it comes to like my close-knit circle, I've been, good, been fortunate to have nerdy friends along the way. What about you? Yeah. Where do you come from? Where did I come from? Um, yeah, so for me, I mean, this, you know, I think will really got me into a lot of stuff. You guys remember like the, so this is a a sad fact. I actually didn't grow up with cable. So a lot of shows I didn't get exposed to until I was older. But for those of us who had like regular TV, (laughs) regular TV, you guys, the infamous, uh, I believe it started out as like Kids WB and then became Four Kids, right? Mm-hmm. With all the 
you know, all the messy anime dub. You had, you know, One Piece where Sanji's got the lollipop and, you know, things of that nature. And my first thing I remember being really into actually was Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh, like, took over my school in elementary. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that show was on, you know, for quite a while. And for those of you who are familiar, Yu-Gi-Oh! the anime. And then it had a, it was an anime about people playing a card game. The card game is a real card game that people can play. For those of you who don't know, and the thing about it is like, these cards were all over the school. It was almost like, almost like cards were stolen. It was almost like, almost like drug deals going on. So the point, they had to ban our cards at school. I remember it was like a big thing where like, you couldn't bring Yu-Gi-Oh cards anymore and people would sneak them in. And it was really sad just because there were like so many scandals and whatnot going on. So definitely Yu-Gi-Oh was a pretty early for me. And it was one of those things where it's like, Pretty much everyone I knew was into Yu-Gi-Oh in some form, but at that age, I didn't even really know like what anime really was, you know. And I feel like when I got into middle school, things like Naruto and that kind of stuff were pretty trendy. And like at that point, anime was something that was like not cool. Like I remember, you know, it was a thing where I had a few friends that were into it. We would talk about certain episodes back in the day, like you know, where anime pirating was everywhere. We would watch like clips of episodes on YouTube. And remember YouTube videos would only be like 10 minutes and it would be like Naruto episode 33, part one, part two, and part three. And sometimes like part two will get deleted. So you'd have to read, watch part one, then go on Wikipedia to read the synopsis and then watch part three to try to fill in what happened, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, elementary school, I feel like, you know, a lot of certain things that were anime at the time, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, were sort of like, just kind of folded into kids' entertainment. But by the time I got to middle school and started to figure out like what anime actually was, it was definitely more of like a hidden niche cop, uh, niche like hobby that I would only keep for like a small circle of friends, you know? Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! wasn't allowed in my household, it was demonic. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of skipped, skipped over me. Um, I think one of the other things is, so I went to a predominantly black school from fourth to sixth grade. That was really when I was getting into anime outside of Dragon Ball Z, because really most people were into Dragon Ball Z. Um, and then I went to a predominantly white school in like seventh and eighth grade. And so, yeah, that's when it really became like the stereotypical, like only, yeah, like nerd, nerds, like, you know, anime and everything like that. And, you know, everybody else was into sports, uh, which I mean, I, I still was, but it was it was one of those situations where uh, the white the school that I went to and, and I could name it, but I don't feel like everybody pulled Nate Mile right now. Uh, that I was one of the first black kids that they had met, one of the first black people that they had met, and so all their knowledge of black people came from television. And so there was the, never good, no, never good, never good. Um, and all of the expectations were all predominantly in sports and nothing in academia or media outside of liking like hip hop and rap, which I did, but that's not the point. Uh, so yeah, so like I said, I came from a family of nerds, so at least there was like that. But I was, I mean, my older brother was into Dragon Ball Z and like Avatar, which isn't really anime, but America, you, you get it. Close enough. Y'all, It's a gateway dragon. Y'all are here. Y'all get it. <laughs> uh, and so, um, 
But when it came to like other ones, like my favorite manga of all time is Rurouni Kenshin. My brother would like to mess with me because, you know, I'm the youngest and he would always try to say the name wrong when it would come on to now. He's like, oh, you watching that smooch Moni's mention? I'm like, you know what it is. And of course, <laughs> he's like, he, my brother got like the football gene, so he was always really bigger than me. So it's like, I couldn't really do much or else I'm getting tossed to the other side of the ring. Um, but yeah, so I think when it, when it came to the people in your life, like not it, like, so I'm on TikTok and I've t- talked to a lot of different people who didn't come up from nerdy families. And they're like, yeah, I'm the only one that likes Star Wars in my family. And they have like a family of like seven people. And I'm like, that's, that's, I, I thought that, I thought what I was coming from was normal. Like that everybody, you know, like watch Star Wars. Cause it was really something that was extremely mainstream. But, uh, like, what about y'all? Do you, do y'all come from nerdy families or are y'all the only ones, you know? Healthy mix. I started it off. You started it off? Uh-oh, there you go. Trendsetter. Trendsetter. You like yeah. Uh, I was born into nerddom. My mom gave birth to me during an Ultraman marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Well, yeah. Um, I, well, I believe it was one of the YouTubers said that, um, that one of your parents was a music nerd. My mother is a music nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's like music was just all in place, twenty four seven in the house. Yep. You know, like just about, just about everything. Um, and, and I inherited some of that too, music in my life. Mm. Uh, so much so that it has kind of spanned over several things, such as theater and uh, like actually performing, singing on stage, and but then it. it took a turn into anime and then my brother was like, where did this come from? What is this? You know, she she always knew that I liked cartoons, but then when it kind of like shifted over into anime, that was kind of confusing for her. <laughs> where are my other theater kids at? Yes. Yes. Y'all always out here. <laughs> Not me though, but you know. Yeah, yeah I love y'all. The 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 family joke but it's it also 100% true was like in my mom's car it was you know radio Disney gospel music you know the focus on the family things like that in my dad's car it was Motown you know Stevie Wonder the Temptations Michael Jackson Prince when he got older Brian McKnight you know like the the things that your, your parents pass on so um one thing I want to talk about definitely you know I, I guess I'll start off want to talk about like how family sort of treated, you know, nerddom. So definitely like growing up, I mean, I was a kid who had the Game Boy or the DS. I'd be hiding in the corner during family events, during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, etc. I have a distinct memory too of like, you know, I really started getting into a lot of the like J-pop and J-rock type stuff you would get, you know, from, you know, you get samples from like the anime openings and endings. And then, you know, I would go look up the cool version of these songs. I remember playing them in my room. And my mom is like, what is that? What are you listening to? My mom had no idea what it was. And she'd be like, what is this white people music? And I'm like, mom, it's not. You know, and it, it was, you know, I think the family conversation is always interesting because I feel like back in the day, when you know anime wasn't as big, it was more of a niche thing. You know, it can sometimes be. It, it, it was. It was always sometimes a struggle because, like, I always felt like like 
parts of my, you know, parts of my family members, especially the older folks, like just did not get it and just did not understand. And we can talk about later how I think in some ways that's changing, you know, for the better. But I just remember like when I was younger, since I, I didn't come from a nerdy family, I felt like, I mean, my, my family was very like academic and educational, but not like into like fandom type stuff ever. So it was always like, I always felt very disconnected from them, you know, a lot when I was younger, kind of because of my interests. And like I said, I'm playing Pokemon in the corner and whatnot. And I had a couple cousins that like vibe with me, you know, we're in the same stuff, but yeah, you know, the, you, you know, I know you mentioned that like certain things were demonic in your household. The best story I have yeah. is that uh, I was like four and I was watching um, the Tree of Might, Dragon Ball Z, the Tree of Might with my older brother. And my older brother's like five years older. And so uh, Gohan turns into the Uzuru. My mom walks in and watches this and she's like, what are you watching? And bans me from watching Dragon Ball Z because it's, you know, demonic. Uh, so then she, when I run the time I was turning 10, she was just like, you know, I have more free reign in what I wanted to watch, you know, like outside of, you know, like PG-13 and our things. And so she was just like, you know, we've raised you, you like, you know what you can and can't watch. And so I get down, sit down on that Saturday to watch Dragon Ball Z on Toonami. And it is the last episode of the run. <laughs> the very last episode. And so I was just like, Oh, it'd be one thing if it ended last week. It'd be another thing if I still had a few weeks ago, but the very last episode, and then we got Chi Chi. Yeah. Uh, episode Goku dishing his family to hang out with Ooh. Yep. Yep. Then I was like, I want to be Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess that everybody has the different family backgrounds and dynamics that determine um, how you feel comfortable in your interests. Um, because like, it's one thing if you have the family backup and then you go out into the world and you know, you're ostracized and then there's the other thing entirely when you're ostracized from your family, but you find that group of friends that like bolster your interest and help you get into, uh, other new things, uh, which then always transitions to the world of dating, which, you know, I I've dated non nerds and i've dated like full nerds and it, it, it's always an experience of trying to get uh people finding someone that has shares the same interest that you do or someone that i at least support the interest that you do. at least tolerates at a minimal you yeah. hope right yeah just be like you don't need to like you know you, you don't even have to come to account with me but you know if you want to and you want to dress up as character all the better yeah I mean, yeah, what's up? I actually do have a small story. When I first girlfriend, uh, funny enough, I was a nerd. Yeah. Uh, they didn't understand, but they passively supported me. Um, they truly did not understand. Like you said, slightly divided. They're like, what is this? We're not sure. But uh, we still love you. We seem to enjoy this. But uh, when I got into high school, I think, and I got my first girlfriend, she was a great girl. Don't get me wrong. Great in a lot of stuff. Absolutely detested. At a core and fundamental level, and it was just, just didn't work out. She couldn't even tolerate it. It part of my life at that point. Yeah, over here. It was her anime, and the anime was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was my sister. 
you know, it's always an interesting conversation too. Like, it, it, I mean, it can be dating or otherwise. Like, if you ever try to get any non-anime people like in anime, and they'll be like, every once in a while, I get someone like, I think I want to start One Piece. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you're not ready. I'm like, you know what? Let's do some Full Metal Alchemist first. You know what I mean? Even if they if they haven't even seen like Airbender yet, I'm like, maybe watch some Airbender. You know, you try to get them in with a nice, you know. 60 24 episode series you know something that's light you know like oh can i watch attack on titan i'm like no, no. <laughs> um yeah you know the, the dating thing is it was always interesting because like i remember i mean middle school especially did not i hid that stuff as much as i could if i ever tried to like talk to anyone which i mean it was rough i think in high school I was a little bit more comfortable, like being an anime fan, and I did. Uh, I did date a girl who was into it, which was which was pretty cool because that was like our thing. We just talked about, you know, like manga and stuff like that. But you know, it's always like dating a nerd versus like a like dating a weeb or you know a non weeb is always an interesting thing because like if you're dating someone who isn't in the show at all, you're always trying to see like, okay, can I get them into something? All right, well if they like. Star Wars, or maybe they'll see a sci-fi anime or something like that. So you always try to like gateway them. And then like, if you're dating someone who's like also an anime, then you really get into like, okay, well, what are their tastes, right? Because like, if I favor like shonen type stuff and all they like is shoujo, then it's a little bit harder to have a crossover. Or like, you know, within the anime community, I mean, there's a wide variety of opinions, you know, over, you know, what people like. I mean, there's people who think Attack on Titan is one of the greatest shows of all time, and there's people who think Attack on Titan is, like, really Semitic. I mean, anti-Semitic and, like, terrible. So it's kind of like, you know, it's all, you know, get, when you get into the weeds sometimes, it's always a, it's an interesting <clears throat> conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think at least um, post, probably college, I feel like everyone that I have, have dated has been a nerd. But now I have to gauge where you are in that nerdy side, especially ever since I started doing content creation, because I was like, I can't let you get like, I can't fully introduce you to where I am till I know where you are, because I can just, you know, walk you in, you know, like everybody does that whenever you get into a relationship of any kind, like you have to see where the people are before it, because you can't just like go zero to 100 within the first week of meeting someone or even the first month, because then it's going to be like, I'm not here. See, you at 100, I'm at like 30. Let's, let's, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I don't think I'm in a position to be in a relationship with you right now. Like, uh, you know, maybe you need to find someone to support your interest. Like, all right, cool. Bye. Um, <laughs> I think, um, you know, people want to find someone that genuinely supports them. Um, and I think where a lot of people were ostracized for what they liked growing up it seems kind of a challenge to overcome that step of letting people into your interests that are intimate to you. And I think we've seen that a lot recently when things have become more mainstream, like with the MCU being a gateway for a lot of people to get into the comics world and then having more uh, anime movies being released in theaters and people are starting to get into, you know, like some of the gate, uh, the gateway animes, you know, Naruto, Dragon Ball Z and things like that. And then 
people just start My Hero Academia, Death the big Note. one. Yeah, Death Note and Netflix taking things up. So I think we gotta we gotta start talking about gatekeeping. Because that is a huge problem in a lot of fandoms. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, I think the interesting conversation about gatekeeping is that, like, part of the reason it ex- I think it really does exist is because, like, watching a lot of anime back in the day before, like, streaming was really, like, a thing, you pretty much had to pirate. You were going on, if you weren't on YouTube, you were on these sketchy pirating sites and... You know, the pirating sites back in the day, they'd have stuff broken down by genre. And I'm like watching shows that were made in like 1999 that I didn't realize existed and things like that. And nowadays, you know, you know, obviously Crunchyroll is like the big hub for most anime. But, you know, between Netflix, Hulu and HBO, there's like quite a lot of stuff. Like you can definitely hit the big three. You can definitely hit like a lot of good shows. So now it's just it's way more accessible. Because most people have, you know, some form of like, you know, a lot of, you know, more of the mainstream streaming services. So, you know, what, it, what happens, I think, is that you have a lot of folks who are like, they've been in the anime for 10 plus years, etc. They were there during like the pirating days. And then you have folks who get into stuff recently. And I think that like, for a lot of the older, for a lot of the older nerds, a lot of the older weaves, I feel like being like an anime fan, since it was like such a niche thing, it became like a part of your identity. And I think like, you can almost feel some sort of way where it's like someone who bullied you in high school or made fun of you high school, middle school is now like, oh yeah, I love Demon Slayer. And you're like, wait, this is my thing. Like, you know, what's up, what's going on? Oh, I saw one of those people yesterday. Oh my God. <laughs> wait, a real bully? Yeah. No, oh, like, someone who, I was in an anime club. I was a president of my anime club in high school. As person made fun of me and I saw him at the con yesterday. I gave him directions to get lost because yeah. fuck it, more people in anime is a good thing. It is, it is, it is. I mean, it, look, I, yeah, so, you know, I, I mean, I'll definitely say that like, gatekeeping in general is bad. You're a lot, I personally still feel like you're allowed to hate all your bullies. Like, I still hate Kenneth Mason from the eighth grade. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but, thank you, I know, but, um, yeah, so, you know, I think that, you know, I think that's some of the reason a lot of the gatekeeping exists, right? Yeah. I think also a lot of it is, is sexism, like, let's keep it real. Yeah. A lot of these spaces have been male-dominated for a long time, you know, white-dominated as well. So when you have people from marginalized groups who want to be a part of these spaces, you know, gatekeeping is super hard. I think, Chris, you're on TikTok, so you can speak to a lot of oh, a lot of that. You got any examples or anything? Yeah, I literally have one from this weekend. Uh, so one of the big, the biggest fans I'm, I'm in is the Star Wars fan. And so one of the things that happens a lot, especially for my, my friends uh, that are women or female presenting, is that when they express an opinion about something in Star Wars, it could be a popular one, it could be an unpopular one. They will have their comments flooded with, well, what do you really know about Star Wars? Like, who's your favorite character? I bet your favorite character is Ray. And it's just like, all right, here's, here's my thing. If you are a, a man that is interested in a woman and you are big into some nerdy fandom and she expressed interest, why is your immediate reaction to quiz them? And to quiz them into knowing that you know more than them y'all and that will, they're not really a fan. Y'all will quiz some of these women. You'll make them write an essay, uh, you know, a doctoral. Uh, y'all want them to apply to the college and the nerdy fandom you're in. And it's, oh, man. It's like, if you can't, if 
say, say you know more than them, which is not a guarantee because most of the time I see this happen, the women know more than the men. But if 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 you are uh, if you see that they you do know more than them, is the perfect opportunity to get to know them, what their interests are in the fandom, and start a conversation. Like it, it, it's not a competition. And I think that comes from a lot of trauma where, you know, some people were made fun of by, you know, the, the uh, gender that they were attracted to. Like, they they were made fun of and they're just like, you know what, yeah, you well, this pencil, is a defense yeah. mechanism. And honestly, therapy is awesome, y'all. <laughs> therapy is awesome. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll feel a lot better after you go to it and then you'll be able to have more... Uh, fulfilling relationships with anybody because you're not anytime someone steps on the trigger you're not getting ultimately defensive and drawing the knife um and another thing you brought up that i, I want to touch on about the spaces being white dominated is anybody that's paid attention to any of the major um franchises in the past five years has seen the conversation or the dialogue around uh, people of color being casted in <laughs> series or shows that were white in the uh, literature that they came from. Most recently, House of the Dragon, uh, Rings of Power, um, and and you know people getting mad that Sam Wilson is Captain America because he is Captain America, y'all. Um, and I and I think what this comes to is. You know, honestly, if I'm seeing dragons flying around, I I don't really care about the color of the skin of the character. But uh, please believe me, when I saw Lenor as a black man flying a dragon to yell at your cars, I felt something. <laughs> and, and I think that's what it's about because, you know, like if, especially George R. R. Martin's involved in that show. He's a creator. If he's like, yeah, I'm cool with that character being black. What are you a fan are going to say to the creator? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's a lot of folks who I feel like, I, I think they really like, you know, they they feel like they own a lot of these franchises. So when people who like don't look like them, you know, they feel like are like encroaching on these franchises, they're like, no, you know? So it's, you know, one thing that's interesting happening too is um, there's been, since like the protest in 2020, there's been a lot of uh, changes in like the voiceover industry where like, um, I mean, five years ago, there were like no black voice actors. You had like Phil Lamar and you know, he, I remember like Phil Lamar is doing like five voices on Young Justice, mm -hmm. you know? And you had an instance where not only were, you know, you had, you know, white voice actors voicing pretty much, you know, voicing white characters, but you had white voice actors voicing like people of color. So you couldn't, so like people of color, not only did we not have opportunities to voice characters that, you know, were not, you know, the same skin color as us? And you gotta think, you get an anime, how many creatures and aliens and monsters and, you know, demons and all sorts of creatures that, you know, literally could be voiced by anyone. The default for them was always like white voice actors. You had that. Piccolo you know, was black. Yeah, we had this discussion. <laughs> So there's been a lot of push to get more uh, people of color, you know, in the voice acting industry and things like that. And something interesting that happened, um, and you guys watch Bleach? 
Yeah. yeah, so you guys remember Chad? He was, you know, his character was Mexican, yeah. and he was like, he's probably one of the only Mexican characters I remember being in anime. Well, his voice actor in the dub was a white dude, and like recently, you know, their Bleach is like come back for like this final season, or like finishing the manga. They actually have like a Latino actor who's you know taken over as a voice, and the original voice actor stepped down, and I was watching like. I was on Twitter this week, and there are people having a meltdown. They're like, why did you change Chad's, you know, Chad's voice? Da, 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 da. And it's like, yo, dog, it should have been a Mexican voice actor, or I mean, not, or a Latino, excuse me, a Latino voice actor voicing him in the first place from the beginning. They're literally doing the bare minimum to sort of rectify this when, I mean, there aren't a ton of, I mean, I mean, there aren't a ton of, you know, Latinx characters in anime, period. So, um, I mean, we're, you know, so we're also seeing a shift there. Um, like there's a guy, I believe, uh, I believe it goes by Zeno. He's a black voice actor. He's been doing a lot of, uh, he's been on a lot of stuff recently. I know he's, um, if you watch My Hero, he's voicing Hawks in the dub, which is uh, pretty cool. You know, we're finally sort of breaking into, you know, not even main, main characters. <laughs> More of the issue is that there isn't a space for people of color in the voice acting world, which is why it's so important that people who act like the the characters are like the voice actors should also be black because that like creates a space for them to so like if if it, there was more equality in the voice acting world, do you think it would still be an issue for people who are not of the same race as the character they are portraying to uh, to play those characters? If, if there was more equality, probably not. Uh, I think there have been uh, a lot of times in both live action and, and uh, animation where you'll see a character and the, the biggest example I have in live action is the Mask of Zorro. I was like a couple, it was a couple years ago that I learned Catherine Zeta-Jones was not Latina at all. She's Welsh. <laughs> and yet she was, you know, playing someone that was Latina in the Mask of Zorro, and I feel like that's a lot. Uh, you know, someone made a TikTok about it. Everybody was like, "What?" And then Giancarlo Esposito isn't Latino; he's uh, he's Italian as well. And everybody's just like, "Well, everyone just assumed based off of his name." Oh. But uh, it's just one of those situations where if you had the if more people of color had the opportunity to be in these uh, positions we wouldn't have situations like that. And at that point, when it comes to even just background characters or, you know, secondary characters that are only there for an art, if the pool of voice actors is wider and more diverse, then you'll be able to have those people in there. You know? And also, like, I just, it, it feels like it's, it's not enough because they kind of get away with like putting like one black character in a show and then they, they they put a black voice actor and then that's it. So there's like maybe like one we get like that's that's how we get that that token trope. Mm -hmm. Um so like like spreading that diversity is like super important. Um but I guess I guess then it, it wouldn't matter so much and then so so essentially we're saying that that people of the same race as the character should play that character regardless. No no exceptions. That I, in, in, in a perfect world where equal representation existed across the board, it wouldn't matter as much. Yeah. But since the number of characters uh, that are just uh, people of color are so small, 
then the standard should be at a minimum that they should voice those actors. And then when it comes to, especially when you have characters that are aliens, like they may be white or Japanese or something in appearance, but like, you know, like Saiyans, for example, you know, it, it should be like to the to best voice actor in, you know, in, in an equal representative society, but we're just not there yet. No, we are not. Nope. As, as much as I love, you know, Sean Schimmel and, and uh, like, uh, Christopher Sabat, like, if there's a better voice actor of them that's a voice actor of color, play Goku or Vegeta or Piccolo or you know, yeah. all the other characters and Christopher Sabat. And this isn't that hate on voice actors that aren't black. I mean, I love Johnny Young Bosch, you know? Anytime I hear him in the show, I'm like, it's going to be good. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, it really is about, like, opening up space for people who really just are not, you know, have not been included because, I mean, I've noticed, because I believe um, this weekend, I believe her name is uh, Akira Quinones, I believe is her name. She voices Miracle in My Hero. You know, I know she's been going to cons for a couple years now, and it's like, there were not black voice actors like five, ten years ago. Like, it was not, even, you know, there was like no one, and we're finally getting some folks in there and things like that. Like I said, Phil Lamar can't do it all. You got the Phil Lamar, he did Static, he did Green Lantern, the Justice League, his shows, and things of that nature. So, I would say, uh, you know, it, it, whenever people are just like, well, you know, why, why should, you know, we have uh, black or, you know, uh, voice actors of color play white characters? I'm like, all right, let's look at one of the most iconic voices of all time, Darth Vader, played by James Earl Jones. Imagine that role without him. Like, if you have not heard the actual actor, voice uh like the voice it is you would not be scared of that man it just he's uh i don't want to say he's scottish he's either scottish or irish and his voice is very high pitched and it's just like i can't imagine being ordered around by that guy and not laughing behind his back <laughs> so uh another thing that um we want to talk about so i mean we kind of touched on this earlier so you know, the idea of like, you know, anime being trendier, right? You know, we mentioned that, you know, the streaming services definitely helping, it's just more accessible. I think also we talked about how like, the rise of MCU and Marvel movies is kind of a gateway because people who watch Marvel movies, you know, everybody saw Infinity War and Endgame, you know, you see those, you get people who go to, you know, a lot of the comic conventions, right? And there's always, there's always, you know, you're always gonna have comic stuff, you got your anime stuff, you have, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter is usually around. So, you know, usually at convention, you always see like a mix, right? So, um, you know, when I got to, I mean, now that like my mom knows who Thanos is, I think that like, now that she's like seen a lot of that stuff, I think that pretty much anything I do now is way less weird for her. Mm. Cause like she kind of gets it. Yeah, cause at least, you know, before the MCU, if you, like the most popular comic book characters of all time, pretty much anybody would know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Captain America, Spider-Man, and Wolverine, probably. You know, and the Hulk. Incredible Hulk. Yeah, because of, especially because of his TV show run. But now with, you know, the MCU, people know, like, new characters like Miss Marvel or it, in, in terms of the animation, Miles Morales. <coughs> Um, and then they also, you know, they know War Machine now. They know uh, Falcon and, and Iron Man. Scarlet Witch. Yes, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. 
Uh, Captain Marvel is now more of a household name for better or for worse, depending on why they're <laughs> depending on why they have her name in their mouth. Oh, like we're, we're we're gonna get to that. Yeah. I got, we we got to talk about the reaction to She Hulk because I I think it's relevant. It's kind of funny. I'm oh, sorry. So I'm I'm a lawyer in, in in my day job, and the amount of people that are just like, well, this isn't how the law works. How do you know? <laughs> I mean, you're right, but how do you know? Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, so it, it's with the rising of uh, nerd um, culture coming into pop culture, at least in, in the mainstream, you know, it does really shed a light on some of the the wonderful sides of like why these stories mean so much to us. But it also rears the ugly side of any fandom, which is uh, as a part of the society, toxic people. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, so this this is kind of the part of the part of the reporting we get into like lecture time as your uh, as your anime uncles. Um, so anything I say, if it doesn't apply to you, let go. If it doesn't apply to you, just know that I probably do I've probably done some of these things before. So I'm not like talking down to anyone. I'm really like speaking to my younger self. You know, I got the time machine. I'm like, no, don't do this. So, um, you know, one of the first things we mentioned, we mentioned earlier is about like therapy. There's a lot of folks who are going around, carrying around trauma from elementary, middle school, high school, et cetera. And y'all are letting like certain experiences really holding you back from living the best version of your, of your lives. You know, so, you know, you hear the term like go to therapy a lot, which, you know, if you haven't been me, you absolutely should. But, you know, you know, you get the guys who are like, you know, they gatekeep with women and stuff like that because they're crushing middle school and made fun of them. You know, it's like, you got to let it go. Most of our crushes didn't like us when we were little. Most of us were ugly. It's okay. Not anymore. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, please, please, please do some healing because at the end of the day, you have a lot of, there's a lot of hurt folks both in the Black community and not in the Black community that go out and you're hurting other people because you came around pain and trauma from back in the day. And then and then you pass that on to the younger people that are in your charge, whether those are your kids, your nieces and nephews, you know, like if you're a teacher, your students or your camp counselor, the campers, just because, you know, that all has to go somewhere. It doesn't just stay bottled up inside. I mean, for a lot of people it does and that causes other health issues, but you will pass that on. There's always a circle of her. Um, and I think that especially when you are able to talk to like not everybody will be able to find that one therapist that works for them. But when you are in spaces like these where you're comfortable with people and are able to, to open up about your experiences with other people and then they're able to open up with yours, that is still a form of healing. You know, there, there's a part where we're going to get to the end where, you know, we're just all just going to be like sharing story time if we have the time. That came about as uh, we were doing a, a podcast called, uh, what was it, Dating While Black. And it, that podcast went on for three hours because after we the main... We had to cut it in half, it was too long. Yeah, after the main part of the podcast was done where we got through all the questions, last hour and a half was just all of us just... Group therapy. It's what you know, it was. Talking about the experiences that, that we've had 
And that I think is key. Like friendship shouldn't just be like, oh yeah, let's go see a movie together. Like your core friendship should really be the one to help you grow and heal and be a better person. The goal, and I think this is a lot for anybody that's dealing with any marginalized community. Um, the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to be better than you were today. Yeah, so um, as we go through lecture time, I mean, okay, so I know you guys have already heard all the hygiene grooming jokes about the anime community. <laughs> Smash Bros. players smell the worst. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, like, um, you know, listen, you, you heard the lectures. Just please, you know, bathe, take care of yourselves. You know, skincare routines, very underrated, especially fellas, you know, um, you have health insurance, things like that. You know, if you like struggle with acne and things of that nature, dermatologists can work wonders. They literally can work magic. You know, like don't feel like, oh, well, this is how I look and I have to stay this way. There are definitely options and ways to help. I have like, I have eczema, so I look super dry skin. So I've been seeing a dermatologist since I was like seven. You know, I got all the super prescription lotions and all of that just to make sure I'm, you know, Good to go, not ashy, you know? Get, your, get yourself a separate shampoo, conditioner, like, hey, hey, coconut oil, coconut oil. <laughs> What's up? Your skin looks great. I'm doing that now. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, uh, drink water. Water is going to be your best friend, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. Let me, let me drink, drink that water. Um, but also, don't be afraid to... Uh, try new things that are at least recommended by medical professionals. <laughs> don't, you know, like there's something you might see online. Don't trust everything you see on TikTok. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and in addition to the grooming too, you know, especially my black folks, you know, Please go to the doctor. Please get your checkup, get your blood work done, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of folks who, you know, deal with also, you know, have also, you know, a lot of times are predisposed to, you know, certain conditions and whatnot. And typically the name of the game of health is that like most things when caught early are treatable and you can find some treatment and, you know, live a long, healthy life. You know, there's a lot of folks, I know, especially in our community, you know, they wait until things get bad. You know, you ignore lump somewhere, you ignore pain, et cetera, et cetera, to the point where it becomes, you know, a problem. And you can and you never know what can, you know, being serious. Like you 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 never know when something can get really serious. Yeah, I think the the one of the more recent and painful examples is Chadwick Boseman. You know, the the type of uh, colon cancer checkup, they start start recommending that until you're past 40. He was only 43 when he died, so Imagine if he was able to get that checkup earlier, if they recommended that earlier. Um, it, it's always good. And, you know, be accountability partners with your friends and your family members. Because, you know, I think one thing that I'm seeing a lot with uh, my parents are on like the younger side of their friends group, like the ones that, that they grew up with. So a lot of their friends are, you know, dying in their 60s or 70s and Honestly, we all can live longer than that. So it's just one of those things that we had to take care of ourselves, watch what we eat, go to the gym, go on walk, especially, I don't know about y'all, but I ain't walked so much uh, during the pandemic than I did in my life ever. Just, you know, just adopt healthy practices now. Eat your vegetables. 
Yeah. And this is not about, you know, looking a certain way or fitting their aesthetic. It really is about like, you know, health. You know what I mean? Whatever you can do, you know, if people walk in the neighborhood, you know, go to the park, you know, play frisbee with the dog, you know, whatever you can do just to be active and take care of yourself. Yeah. Super important. Chase your cat around the house because you want to cuddle it and don't want to cuddle you. Like, you know, something. Get your body moving. Yeah, learn learn a K-pop dance, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I want to see you learn a K-pop dance. Uh, maybe not, not today. Yeah, put Maybe it on, one day. Put it on TikTok. I'll repost it. Yeah. And um, another thing I want to get into, too, you kind of hinted at this earlier when it comes to friendship. Uh, you know, a lot of folks, I feel like, you know, I'm 28. People in my cohort, you know, we're all super concerned about dating. Don't underestimate your friendships. You know, friendship, you know, finding community is one, like, basic part of human nature. You know, have friends that encourage you, have friends that support you, have friends that not only check up on you, but you check up on them. You know, have people that encourage your hobbies, right? So, I mean, I had friends back in the day that, you know, and always make fun of the anime thing. I always make fun of the nerd thing. Those are not healthy relationships to be in, you know, because you want people that accept you for who you are and, you know, push you to be the best version of yourself. Um, and another thing that I also want to mention, too, is that, like, obviously we all love anime. A lot of us love anime. We love gaming. We love all our nerd <coughs> stuff, you know. Don't be afraid, especially, I mean, I'm 28, so, you know, especially if you're in your teens and 20s and 30s and beyond, don't be afraid to try new things and try new hobbies. You know, there's, you know, I think sometimes, like, when I was a nerd, I felt like certain things were not, like, accessible to me. Like, so, for instance, never know how to sing. I started, uh, I did karaoke with some friends for the first time, like, two years ago. Absolutely love it. I love to do karaoke all the time. That is not something that I, when I was younger, I ever would have thought to do. So, you know, when you think about like anime and what we're into, you know, hey, you like the art style, you know, you can always, you can draw, you know, obviously cosplaying is huge, you know, even if you don't want to cosplay yourself, you know, you can get into photography, you know, Chris, you mentioned earlier, a lot of theater kids in here, you know, theater, you know, theater people, you know, always out here doing your thing. Um, if you like, you know, action and whatnot, and so you can learn a martial art in real life. You know, there are so many, you know, just things that you can, you know, there are so many, uh, you know, don't, I, I will say that sometimes, at least for me in my experience, I felt like when not like being a nerd was a part of my identity, it was like, I could only do nerdy stuff. And it's like, there's, you know, ways to get into art, ways to get into nature, hiking, you know, there's, I used to, you know, I started, um, I used to not exercise pretty much at all, like when I was in high school age, and I started doing like the gym thing when I was in college, and because I was never athletic, and I thought like, well, the gym is for like, you know, athletes, I can't do that. I found like a love for the gym in my 20s. Like I'll go into the gym and I'll have like my anime opening playlist, and I'll just be in there grinding it out. You know, if you ever, if you ever want to, if you ever want to start running, I'm telling you, those anime openings and OSTs will help you. Because that's what they're doing. I hate cardio. <laughs> that's what they're doing in those shows. I hate cardio. I'll do it, but like, man, yeah, no, those, those, those anime openings will help you. Um, especially, especially when the ones when they're running, because they are always, always running. Always running. Or, you know, you, you get that ultra instinct, you know, music going and you're seeing, feeling like, all right, I'm into it. I can't dodge like that, but I, I'm going I'm, to I'm run. I'm going to get a little faster. And, and social hobbies, too, are important as well. So, like, you know, 
a lot of times, a lot of anime fans, you know, we be watching stuff at home in our rooms, which is great. But, you know, you can make friends through a hobby. So obviously, Chris, you know, you've dealt a lot in online spaces. But, yeah. I mean, there's, um, like, for instance, I know it's here, but, like, board games, you know. Board games, you know, if you like video games at all, the transition to board games is not as hard as you think. There's tons of board game clubs and groups. There's an app called Meetup that I use quite a bit. Use, you know, people playing like social events and they're really fun. You know, playing, meet, you can make friends through board games. A lot of times, like, the board game people typically vibe with the anime, typically gonna vibe with a lot of hobbies that you probably share. So, um, yeah, you know, looking for, you know, cultural things. Um, and, and Chris, you're online a lot, right? So. You, uh, you you can speak to online spaces and online friendships, right? Yeah, so uh, I, I uh, this girl I was dating a couple years ago, well, yeah, oh. a couple years ago, uh, was on TikTok. And she was like, oh, you should do it. You'd be great at it. And I was like, I don't know what I would talk about. And I only had downloaded the app because I would get links and then, you know, you'd have to go on just the whole thing. So the app was easier. Uh, so then I saw, uh, this one person talking about Star Wars, and I was like, that's my end. And uh, because of that, I've gone to cons, been on a whole bunch of podcasts, and I've made some really great friendships, and a lot of them I have met in real life, either at cons or, you know, because they're local or something like that. You know, you'll be surprised at how many uh, friendships you'll make with people that have similar backgrounds to you and wildly different. Um, friends that, you know, are like, you know, your age, younger, older, like people that got kids your age, you know, that they'll, they'll be able to sew into your life with their own experiences and it'll change the way you look at the world and it'll change the way you look at, you know, the whatever fandom you're a part of, why you love it, hearing about why they love it and what it means to them and you'll be able to see things in different ways. Yeah, and I feel like anime fans, you know, we should all know about the power of friendship more than anybody else. Exactly. <laughs> Y'all watch Fairy Tale or, you know, anything like that, you know. Power, you know, you can literally be like on death door, power friendship, you know, you just rise. So don't uh don't underestimate it for sure. So um before we go on the group therapy QA, I got one thing to talk about. Um, so this is like semi-serious, don't want to be like a downer, but you know, I think a lot of a lot of folks know how you know politics in the U.S. has been over the past you know since 2016. We all know, and you know, yeah, maybe 20, even 20, yeah, even before. And you know, since I you're on TikTok and I you know I use TikTok, I'm not on it, and I read the comments. There's a lot of really like scary folks, really odious opinions, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, etc. that are not only online period, but I've seen a lot of rhetoric sort of leak into nerd spaces, whether it be Marvel, whether it be anime, etc. So we're talking about the people who like, you know, complain about diversity and a casting and things of that nature. But I remember I was on Twitter and somebody was like, I, I was a comment, it was, you know, somebody on Twitter with an anime avatar. They were like, Anime is supposed to be an escape from reality, so why does it need to include black people? I was oh, like, oh. I was like, like, I know. You, you say the silent part out loud. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I know. Um, so if if uh, I, so I remember one of my earliest instances of it. This is before uh, like TikTok and before uh, any any kind of content creation on my end. 
um, the first trailer for Force Awakens. The first person you see pop up in Stormtrooper armor is Finn, played by John Boyega, black man. The internet blew up because they were like, Stormtroopers can't be black, they're only white, which is factually incorrect considering Tamora Morrison was Django Fett and all the clones were based off of him and he is a uh, Polynesian man. So he's, he's not white. But they were just, you know, they, they had this fantasy in their head that all the uh, uh, fascistic foot soldiers were white, which I'm gonna be honest, why would you want that? Why would you want the villains of the fascist empire to all be white? Like, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't get that. But you, you see that with that. Um, you see it with, honestly, there was hate for Killer B when he premiered in Naruto. Uh, there's, obviously I mentioned House of the Dragon and Rings of Power earlier. You know, it, it's this situation where you, there's, you said earlier, a sense of entitlement. Like, this is mine. It's only supposed to reflect my worldview in my world point, which, you know, uh, for a lot of these, an anime, you know, comics, Star Wars, Star Trek, they all are pretty much built on the fact of people coming together. Of, you know, like, even if, you know, uh, like the Lord of the Rings, where, you know, if you watch the original movies, you know, they're 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 all white, and, you know, even Gandalf dies and come back comes back whiter. Oh, um, <laughs> like, they're all different races that traditionally hate each other or have gone to war in the past, but they're all coming together to serve a different purpose. And those themes seem to be lost on it because it's like, ooh, swords and magic and dragons and, you know, pretty colors. And it's like, all right, guys, we're not, we're not toddlers. You know, we can see more than shapes and colors. Um, and, you know, one, another thing I mentioned is earlier, I want to talk about, like, the react so you know, She Hulk of the Marvel show came out. I think most people can agree it was all right. You know, Titania. I don't know why she was there, but you know, had some pacing issues. But one thing that struck me, I have never seen so many grown men get upset about twerking in a show. Like They're when that happened in the show, I literally I watched it before work. I was like, oh damn, cool. And then I'm and I go to work and do my job and I'm online, you know, my lunch break and whatnot. And I'm looking and all these people are like the Marvel Universe is ruined. I can't believe they do that. They did this. These are the same people that love the Tobey Maguire silly dance from Spider-Man 3. You know, we've all seen right. it. If that was Deadpool doing something like that, they would have loved it. They're like, Tony Stark ain't died for this. I'm like, y'all don't know Tony Stark did. They're Tony like, Stark wouldn't die for people that. Were like, Listen, I saw a comment that was like, Stan Lee will be rolling in his grave. It's like, do you know some of the stuff Stan Lee's made? You mean, <laughs> you, you mean the Stan Lee that in his cameo for Deadpool was a DJ for a strip club? And was upset that he wasn't actually at the strip that club? That was right on Stan Lee's alley, you know? And it's just like, you know, with, with some of these guys, I feel like it's just like, they don't want, you know, they don't want women, they don't want queer people, they don't want anyone near their spaces. Nobody can have fun, no one can have a good time. It's like, you know, it's it, it it's insane. And it's funny that like She-Hulk as a show, like the villain of that show at the end, pretty much, you know, Word ended up being a, a 4chan, you know, Reddit bro mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So it's, you know, I and, you know, Chris, what, what's, what's your phrase that we say at the end of our podcast? What, there are more of us? Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of 
almost every podcast, you say there are more of us, right? Yep. And the thing is, like, to, you know, deal with these problems and deal with these issues, right? Like, where's the solution? You know, all of us being here, showing up at conventions, you know, showing up online, you know, stand up for what we believe in, et cetera, et cetera, you know, where's the change that's going to, you know, heal these communities and, you know, make you keep these communities happy and healthy and fun. Like, at the end of the day, all of this is fun. Right? We all, most of us got jobs, even we got jobs, we're in school, we all deal with adult stuff, we got bills, some of us got kids, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, this is something that like should be light and fun. And you know, the fact that it isn't all the time is a problem that we should work on. So um, I think, and one thing that's important is when you're dealing like, you know, with, with sexism, like you've seen with She-Hulk and with Captain Marvel's discord, uh, when you're dealing with racism, when you have people of color cast in, in you know, like white roles, one of the things that it is when you're not in that marginalized space, yes, speak up, but make sure you don't speak over the marginalized communities, uplift their voices. You know, whether that is, you know, retweeting what they said to like your following saying, like, listen to this person or you like if you have a platform like, you know, we have podcasts like bring them on, have them talk. Um, and also, you know, especially if you are in a marginalized community, be in a position to be teachable. Anybody should be in a position to be teachable. Um, and not everybody is in a position to teach others because either we're tired and don't have the emotional capacity to do it. We don't necessarily know the words to say. Don't expect to be taught all the time, but always be ready to be taught because we none of us know everything. Like, we always should be ready to learn. Um, and I think that's one of the key things about being in a community is having people that will better you uh, at any outset. And, you know, and also lastly, for the Q&A, you know, one more thing too is that like, you know, obviously you have the big picture, you know, engaging online, engaging with people and whatnot. But also, if you have friends that are in marginalized spaces, just make sure you check on them, right? A simple, are you okay, right, you know? The, the are you okay can literally stop somebody from, you know, hurting themselves, things of that nature. So, you know, always, you know, look after your friends, look after folks, you know, things of that nature is always super important. Um, so now we got half an hour left. You know, I, I was surprised they gave us an hour and a half for the panel. So this is a question and answer section. Um, so if anybody, group therapy. this is group therapy, if anybody wants to talk about experiences, good, bad, funny, etc., um, or ask us any questions, feel free. Um, so yeah, you, your hand went up first. So yeah, what we do. sure. Um, so some of the things that I'm also, I make videos on TikTok and something I've noticed, unfortunately, is if you ever call in this community that you're part of, my focus is on Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And in the last book they released, they included a race of uh, former slave monkey people. Yeah, that's good God. Oh, oh boy. Um, yeah. yeah, they literally had a, uh, a uh, black, like almost one-to-one -one from like a blackface uh, bard character. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if you, are, if you uh, try to address that issue in your community is, there are these people who will say you are wrong unless you can prepare a college-prepared thesis on the history of racism in the whatever subject. 
And so I find that when you're trying to speak on any subject, it is like, oh no, you also have to be a master of racial studies. Yeah, because I think one thing that we see is the label of being racist to some people is worse than actually being racist. Like, no, they don't want to be accused of, of being racist or something that they love uh, being racist. And I, and I think anybody in a marginalized community knows, like, it, there, there is no uh, pure consumerism in, in, in capitalism. Like, there is nothing that we're not going to buy that in some way does not line up with our moral compass. So, you know, like, I feel like if you have not always seen yourself represented in something, you may not necessarily get that until it becomes real to you. I know for several of my white friends, like things did not get real to them until Trump got elected. And then the things that I had been saying in college made sense to them, especially things that they saw in their family members. So for some people, it's not going to be real until you it's in their face 24 seven and they realize what's going on. And that's an unfortunate reality. But that's why people always got to be willing to listen to other people that live a different life. Off topic, vote on Tuesday. Yes. Totally forgot about that. If you haven't already, make sure if you're if you're a voting age, please vote on Tuesday. In everything, <laughs> not just uh, your state elections and you know like the uh, proposals and everything. Pay attention to your local elections. Um. So just just this weekend, there there I came across this panel where they had a drag performance, and I was excited about that. Hmm. Uh, but they also made a point to infuse like small bits of drag history throughout in between the performances. The thing that that upset me the most was that they were mentioning very vague drag history points and never talked about how black folks uh, uh, influenced drag culture and ballroom culture. Mm -hmm. And it. it, it not only that, but when they got to this one part where they were talking about in the 50s and 60s, it was, you know, drag shows were banned. Uh, the host said, said something along the lines of an other discriminatory stuff. You know, she said the, she said the words other discriminatory stuff, but it's just like, how can you just leave that so vague? When that was the civil rights, like era. a poor Cliff Notes version, right? <laughs> and it's just like, for one, if you were gonna, if you were going to give any type of drag history, you could have niched it down a whole heck of a lot more and concentrated on like the Chicago or the Detroit ballroom scene and really talk about that and how that was influenced. But they never once mentioned anything about how. Black drag queens or or trans women influence that entire culture, and that that was 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 the most upsetting to me. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you get that. Oh, this happened so long ago, and I was like, you know, for a lot of people in this room, our parents were around. If not, our grandparents were around for this. So it wasn't that long ago. Um, it, it's the people that want to say that you know. Everything is fine now. We don't need to mention these parts of history, but there are so many things in history of this country, let alone, you know, other countries and international relations that we don't know because the people that lived through it, uh, like the people that were there got killed or the people whose family members that lived through it do not feel emboldened enough to speak up on it because anytime they had, they were shut down or they were told not to talk about it. You know, there's so much 
generational trauma and curses that we we as a generation are confronting that other generations haven't or won't. And it, it it's a burden, but it's definitely something that we can all do together. So the actual history of these things that have happened will shed a light on or get light shed on. You know, the white in the back, you already have the first. So, you know, the, the, I, the I don't see color thing, you know, I don't, I don't know when that phrase like, you know, first came about, but I feel like originally it was used to be like, oh, well, I treat everyone the same. And the thing is like, yes, you should treat everyone with, you know, kindness and dignity, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is that, you know, people come from different communities, you know, we are different. You know, we do speak differently. We do, you know, we, you know, we will speak a certain way. We do have cultural things. You've got, you know, one thing that another talk about a lot is like, say like ableism, you know, people who have certain disabilities, you know, hey, certain, if someone is in a wheelchair, they need a ramp, you know, they can't use the stairs like everyone else. So when you hear phrases like, I don't see color, I mean, what that does is that it, minimize, it minimizes like experiences that people who are in marginalized groups have. And, you know, this is for anyone. You should always make sure that, you know, you are you you are taking into account, you know, who someone is or someone's background, you know, when you're dealing with them, whether it be at work, you know, not. So I'm really sorry you had to deal with that at work. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like now a lot of companies are trying to be a little bit more sensitive to, you know, cultural issues. Some, I think, are doing better than others. So um, we're trying to capitalize on it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. It was more so that we were talking about here. Oh, I'm, I'm very open where I'm about the people that ask questions. And we were having a topic and she asked me why I was spaghetti and fish. And those two things don't go together. Oh, yeah. Like, colors, like, people typically don't eat like macaroni by itself. I think that's just something we don't do. And then she said, why do you always got to bring up the black? You know, it does. So, I, I do want to say, so I know we have, uh, I know his hand was up, but I know y'all, your, you three's hand went up as a result of that question. So is it all in the, in the line of that? You guys are trying okay. to follow up. So and I'm do, in, in the back, your hand was first. If you, if we miss anyone, you can yell at us. Sorry, you can go. Are you the only
pose a question and answer them. So if they're like, well, why are you doing chicken? Well, it's actually pretty tasty. Have you tried it? You know, like, have you ever experienced it? Why haven't you experienced it? You know, different things to prompt them so they can think about what they're saying to you. And that can most likely unveil the microaggression that you're putting on them. I just did a memo to my managers and I said, let's do this. It's a diversity training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I was an I am the boss. I'll let you know this when I did so. Yeah. I just understand why I just don't think that's Yeah. A lot of people don't know that equality, equality, women, actuality should be fighting for equity. Because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I don't see color. Well, that's the problem. Because what differentiates us, regardless of if we want us to be treated the same, we have no differences. And without acknowledging, we can't meet people in their place of need. Because at the end of the day, while I do want to be treated as a basic standard, I might not need what you need. I got to ask. You ain't got to ask. You don't need a neighbor, right? Yep. So we're talking about what a person might need, whether it's on an individual or community level, right? And oftentimes we resonate with people who have similar backgrounds to us. So it makes sense that we might need some of the same things, right? Like if they need to be understood, you tell them equity, like, hey, you know, if you don't like the fish, that's okay, but hey, give it a try. You know, it could be something they can bring into your household. Yeah. So, so whenever I hear that, I, it, it literally just crawls off my skin like like fucking ants. Normally, with that kind of response, and then particularly in that particular context of what you're saying, it's a trigger response for her because now she has to actually step outside of her white comfort zone mm -hmm. and actually learn something instead of actually uh, being introduced to something new. So whenever I do hear someone say, "Oh, I don't see color," and actually. My boss actually told me that she doesn't acknowledge the idea of different races of people, but she knows that there are race there's racism. So you can't have the pay. The math is You know, so whenever whenever you do have someone that is saying that as a trigger response of, oh, I don't see color or or my favorite. Uh, racism is a social construct. If you hear anyone say that racist or racism is a social construct, tell them that money and the house that they live in is a social construct. <laughs> and that would mean that they would have to give that up. But in other words, because race and racism is a social construct, if you're talking about that, then that would mean that you would have to actually learn something new in order to battle that social construct. We're gonna go uh, you, and then we're gonna go to the blue sphere. Alright. So yeah. So um, I recently, as last year, I was uh, in uh, actually on a live uh, performance of Deity podcast um, with a bunch of people. Uh, I was removed from the show because several members of the cast uh, have problems. Like have, we had a problem. No one brought the problem to me. No one ever said any problems I had. And the initial way I was brought on is I was friends with the person who started, and they literally saying they were worried that they did not have a diverse enough cast. And they asked me. And I was like, I'm, I literally was like, I understand where you're coming from. There's an awkward way to do it, but like, I'll help you out because I believe in what they were. And so when I was kind of removed abruptly because pretty much I was given an ultimatum, like me, I leave or several people leave, and I was like, I still want this to see, so I'll step away. But I have my issues with how this handled, why was this handled, and I would give solutions of why this couldn't be. I kept pushing and pushing, and the person was like, Well, 
it all came back to, I don't want to be seen constantly criticizing one of the black people on the show. <laughs> and uh, that, and so I was like, and so I, we had a conversation. I was like, so you asked me to be on the show because I'm black and you knew that. But when there was an obstacle to, to like, have me on the show, you did not want to pursue a solution to that because my blackness was an obstacle to that. So it very much feels like, you know, you, my blackness only is existence for you when it's convenient. And this person literally responded by saying, oh, I didn't hire you because you're black. I don't hire people based off race. And I'm like, I have a screenshot of this conversation that says otherwise. And so, <laughs> yeah. and so it's very interesting what I'm seeing in these conversations where people will, I don't believe because you brought it up, is that I don't see color is a defense response when they get called out on something. Is that they, it's something that they use, you know, as they kind of get out of jail free card in their mind because, you know, oh, if you push past that, you're the problem. You're the one making racism an issue when, no, racism always is an issue. I, I think they wanted your black face, not your black voice. Right. Uh, Blue Spirit. Yeah, uh, speak more on what he said. I think he, when, like, I don't see, uh, to preface this, I'm a, I'm a software engineer, and it's a very, very white industry. I believe I'm pretty much the only white person at my entire company. Black Hold on, but I do want to get to what he said before. Yeah, we run out of time. We don't leave, leave you behind. 
Uh, one thing that I know is similar to you guys, I'm mean, the time part, and pretty much the uh, company. There's a few others, but you know, they're spread out. Um, and one of the things I've noticed, especially with the older brands, and I can somewhat understand, but they like to say, you're one of the good ones. Oh. Oh. But say like, okay, there's exceptions to the rules. You're one of those exceptions, so I can maintain that baseline of, as a whole, there's something wrong with the skin color. Mm -hmm. so it's like saying it's frustrating. Especially Show of hands from all the black people in here. Uh, who's been called an Oreo? Alright, so we had, I know, I know, uh, you and the hat uh, behind you, and then I'm in the back. Y'all, off, y'all got some lightning round, 10 minutes, right. let's go. Okay, so. First thing that I wanted to say, so I was actually a teacher, I was a preschool teacher. And so when History Month came around, they weren't gonna do it. So I single-handedly put forth the effort to start integrating black history into like the curriculum yeah. of that month. So like I for my classroom, I was in charge of like the newsletters and some other periods. The like we read a story at like read time or whatever it's called. Blah, blah, blah. Then I came across the fact that we have this library full of books, six black books, and you had six. <laughs> <laughs> you had six. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me preface that it was like middle school slavery books. Oh, Therefore. I'm, Educate them too, and it just it 
And I was the only black teacher at you know, where I was. So it was just kind of interesting that that was, and I had two little black kids in my class, one girl and a boy, and the, the, the light in their eyes when I was reading these books, mm-hmm. that's what hit the most. Like, yeah, it's for everybody. But they had never seen, like, they never, and I tried to incorporate, like, books, lighter skin, darker skin. And so the particular book that day was, like, about a dark skinned girl looking, like, seeing a picture of um, Michelle Obama, the exam. It's called Her Book And the little black girl, she was mesmerized by this book. Like, she could just, you know, and that's what we That's what we and then the second thing that I want to talk about, like the Oreo thing. So my mother is like her complexion, but she's black. My whole life, you're like, no, your mother's white. You're half white. Mm-hmm. No, I'm black. They're like, what do you mix with? Black. <laughs> black. <laughs> but like my whole life, they were just like, no, your mom's white. Alright. <laughs> sure. If you want to if you want to behind you. So I just wanted to bring up the, the point of just being a uh, support system for each other. Because mm-hmm. um in my experience, um, not only am I sometimes the only black person, but I'm one of few. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in the environments that we are one of few, they pit us against Mm-hmm. So the very first like job that I had outside of my family working at Jimmy John's, I had dreadlocks at this point. Now I was hired into dreadlocks, right? I was interviewed with dreadlocks. They knew I had dreadlocks. The dress code was like, oh well, you can't have braids or whatever. But my manager said, no, but it's fine because we have dreadlocks. Okay, so the. One of the higher-up managers, so every time we did an audit, one of the higher-up VP managers would come in, and this was a black woman, right? Come in, make sure the store was clean, make sure we were all on the floor, blah, 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 blah. I got sent home after the first, my first audit work was there because I had dreadlocks, but this is a black woman. So you know what my hair is, right? You understand how I take care of it. You know full, like, the rule was, oh, it has to look washed and coats. You know, full good well. I know that you have to wash every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know when your wash day is, you know when my wash day is, you know full good well, but there was no support. Mm-hmm. And so now you have all these white men looking at me like, oh, well, I guess you should go home because you didn't speak up mm-hmm. and support my voice. Yeah. In another instance, which is a good instance of being supportive, I'm also a daycare worker. So one of the assistant directors was black, and we got together, and we were like, oh, Black History Month's coming up, we're going to do this, right? Preschool teacher, it was a white woman, loved her to death, but she had her moments, and she looked, and she was like, well, what's the point of that? We got together, listen, because if it was just me, we would have fought right there. (laughs) Because I'm just, I'm not that type of person. But I sat in our office, we vented to each other, we sat down, we got together, we made a list of every black inventor we could find. It was pages long. And we sat down, we looked her in her face, and we like, we just educated her. 
And it wasn't so much that her statement was malicious. Again, it was ignorant. She had no clue, no reasoning. Why? Why do I have to do this? You don't do it for white people. Why you? But the fact that we sat together and we supported each other in that moment, and then we were able to combat the ignorance, and then make it so that the kids could have. And like we showed up and showed out. We put posters everywhere. Like I, we did like a whole exhibit. We did a whole tour through the through the classrooms and stuff. But the fact that we were able to have that support system made it so much easier. All right, so I know you had your hand up. You still want to talk about I just want to go on the board. I think we're great. I feel like, man, as people of this culture, English culture, whether it's your family or your friends or other people, students, generations, and all that, I think it's crazy because there are a lot of white people who feel like when you're mixed, they feel like you have to have size of understanding where you're coming from. And so they feel so comfortable saying things or being a certain way because you're not dark. Because you're not fully black. Because yeah. you're not really in that type of space. So technically, in a sense, well, it will matter to you. And I think that's, a, that's that ignorance that people need to realize. And it's a, I want to say, I want to say for that, but educate. Because even if you mix, you're still black. And, and that's something I stand by. For, you know, too many cultures, black, white, black, or this, you're still black. Still black. You know, our dreams run deep. So, that being said, I think. I have friends who are like that. So that's the thing when you came to me is friends who are sick here that oh man, you know, you're not you know, you're not fully gonna have to at one point I just say yeah, 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 pay it off. Now as I got older I realized I'm not excuse my French, uh y'all not fucking me. Right. Y'all don't really actually rock with me. And then as I got older I had to take that face. So and it comes to that. So I always say for anybody who is a mixed culture or have friends or who's dating, who's doing any of that. They need to make sure we're mindful about who is in that space and being a certain way because they know that since you're only half, that part doesn't really matter. So you have to understand. I had coworkers who would sit here and say certain things, they would be cool, but one of my black homes would be talking to shit with me, they won't fit. Mm-hmm. So it does play a factor of, oh, okay, that person goes to that one person's black, but you're mixed, so I'm not going to make it for that. So I think we need to be mindful of such spaces of that nature. Yeah, that's why. All right. So uh, Avatar Core is going to be our last one because we're running out of time. We still need to wrap up. Uh, actually, the next panel is starting to look good. Marty Cole is there. Oh, my man. All right. All right. All right. Keep going. All right. All right. Let's keep it going. I can go, but I love this. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. We are. Two black, two nerdy. Two black, two nerdy podcasts. <laughs> you know, we didn't, we didn't get to have our cards in time. Yeah. So if you search two black, two nerdy podcasts, you'll find us pretty much on everywhere. I have podcasts are available. It's free. I have a link tree that I can, you know, throw out on AirDrop or whatever as soon as we're, we're all wrapping up here. But uh, Avatar Cora. Oh, okay. So I've been doing anime as long as I can remember. I have like five siblings. And I am the third youngest, and like they had me up at like two o'clock in the morning watching Inuyasha when I was like five. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to predominantly white school, and I still have three friends from that school that I'm very close with. Um, two of them are white, one of them is Arabic, um, and they hopefully knew about being into anime. 
for years and years. And then once we once we got to be adults and I was a bit more confident about it, um, they they eventually stopped. And then there was a point where they their two of them their interest peaked, and they ended up being into anime a lot. And eventually, I kind of gave up on that resentment. Um, of like them, them bullying me so severely and making me feel like I, like I wasn't worth anything, and like being able to like like con- you know like like really heal from that and share a lot of the things that I was into and kind of uh, communicate with them. But uh, the third friend, um, you know, she while she wasn't bullying me anymore, every time I tried to introduce her to something, any time that I tried to show her something, any time. I like shared an interest. Uh, it was always, no, I don't think that this is for me. No, I don't really want to watch that. No, you know, that's still just like not my thing, which is perfectly fine. Um, until they got a boyfriend, and their boyfriend is black, and he's super into anime. And now, all of a sudden, she is like all about isekai. She, you know, she's really doing the switch up. Really giving me, you know, like trying to educate me on different shows and things, huh. and not that. And I'm just so incredibly appalled and and I and betrayed in a way. And I haven't found a way to kind of address it. So my question is, how do I breach the topic without being like, hey, like, did you get into anime because of your like boyfriend? Or uh, are you faking it? Or like, is this a real interest? Like, yes, can I trust you? <laughs> At the same time, like, it's still it's still hard because it's still kind of like uh, he he's like black nerdy like me. So like like we both had like traumatizing past past. I I feel like there are uh, honestly like a lot of groups in the black community. Like we're just so we're we're ashamed in a sense because I've definitely been shamed by people in my family and I've I've been shamed like kind of a little bit everywhere and like but the more that I go, the more that I befriend people, the more that I like like widen my friend group and, and introduce more more people of color back into my life after going to like predominantly white schools for so long and like being treated as undesirable and 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 like disgusting and having these terrible <laughs> terrible interests um that like we all have such a similar narrative that we're all kind of coming from the same place we're all kind of healing from the same things and it's like is it real <laughs> Or like and and it's not because I, I like I just don't want to make it seem like I'm like I'm attacking her or, or or anything like that. But like it just seems so much harder than just like actually just saying it and asking. Yeah, it it seems like sometimes the the best way to confront someone that hurts you, whether they were doing it intentionally or not, is just to say that you did, that they did what they did, not for them, but for you. And so, you know, you can uh, be like, be like, I'm glad you're enjoying this now. And like, we have this common thing we can talk about, but it wasn't always the case. And what you did affected me in X, Y, and Z. And if they are grown and mature enough to accept that and be able to apologize so y'all can move forward, that's great. But if they're going to get defensive and say like, oh, you're too sensitive, then it's like, all right, you're in my life to some capacity. This is the line. 
because cutting cutting people off that are too toxic in your life is an absolutely necessity and just because they might be family does not exclude them uh, so it was one, two, and then I think I saw your hands up, Vicky, so one at a time. So one, two, three. Um, so one of the things we talked about, like, in, the, in that group where I was like, I eventually was removed from, it evolved out of the Discord server of easily over 500 people that was pretty active. I'm pretty sure there may have been six people, in, six black people in the entire Discord of over like 500 people. And the thing I noticed is that one of the people he had a he was like statement, but it was one of those things in which each one of us was trying to all be seen as like who we are, not one of the few black people. We never became a community. So when I got pushed out of the group um, because of this going down. Not a single other black person in the group reached out, asked about me, followed up uh, anything. And so something I'm learning and understanding is that um, you might necessarily like, you know, be best friends when you're entering in these very predominantly white spaces. Reach out to one another. Check in. Being like, hey, you good? You don't want it out. Because that's all I really wanted is, I didn't I did not want them to fight, get kicked out. If they were, if their business wasn't making them unhappy there, I didn't want them to lose that. But like, a sense of community between us is what I really want. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase, all skin folk and kin folk, mm -hmm. you know. Just because someone's a part of a marginalized community, it doesn't mean that, you know, you know, that they're gonna necessarily like support their own community, support others in their same community. And, you know, we're all in like this like rat race, you know, to be, you know, to succeed and make it and whatnot. There are marginalized folks who will put down their own people just to get ahead, right? So, I mean, this, you know, it's kind of what you're talking about that, you know, the the solution, right, is for us to help each other so that we can all succeed, we can all move, we can all grow. So, yeah. Right. Uh, and we grew up Biracial. 
no, I'm just black, you just like skin, that's it. <laughs> or why do you speak this way and your brothers talk this way? Yeah, I don't know. I have an unrealistic expectation because I watch a lot of K drama, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you said, it's being together as as a unit and when I was able to find other black people magically, I was like, Oh, okay. Not all of us, so I'm not going to say we all don't do that for each other back then, because like I said, if the stigma of being bullied or being beat up or your own bed, uh, being misunderstood, or like our mom be like, oh, you watching cartoons all day, you don't even know what they're saying because we okay with watching subtitles. But she knows that we enjoy it. She might be saying it in a fucked up way, but I know that she like, oh, my kids like this crazy shit, and she just like <laughs> You know, so she knows around this time that we're about to get in some cosplay, and she'd be more than happy, like, oh, my kids out here doing that crazy shit. I just love today that we can stay together. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we continue to do that, especially with Discord, is something for us. And I'll just say, you know, piggyback off that real quick. Y'all, check out your weird cousins, your nieces and nephews, you know, if you got family members, you know, like I mentioned, you know, in the corner, Thanksgiving, not talking to nobody, go over and talk to them, you know, see what they're up to, whatnot, because having people, you know, I mean, because you mentioned, like, having folks in your family that, you know, reach out to you, check in on you, you know, support you in whatever you're doing, that is, you know, that helps us heal, you know, as a community. Yeah, my Yeah, go ahead. I also want to make it known so if you are going through something, you need to also open up mm -hmm. because you got to think about it. Everybody going through stuff. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, we can't look at, we can't see ourselves in it. You know, unless I say it, you reach down, reach down, reach down. I can't expect you to always reach out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in those spaces, you need to be like, if you're going through something, if something's happening, you need to reach out to the people that you trust that has been talking about all that and actually open up about certain topics or whatever you want. You can't always, always depend on people to reach out to us and ask us to be okay. Some people don't get that. But they're so stigmatized on that type of thing that, okay, they don't, they don't reach out to me first. But we need to be able to reach out to people when we have time to as well. So it's like a back and forth thing. As I said, not everybody is gonna be, you're not gonna see, you can't keep seeing yourself in everybody. So you can't expect everybody to do what you did for us as far as talking to you, calling you up. See your friend like, hey, you been there, I heard you from, uh, heard about you from the other day, you know what I mean? So we need to be able to speak up. Like, call myself to call my people, you know, I got people like Carl, yo, I'm on you, you need to call them. So we'll be up for a drink and then, you know, we just stand out or whatever's going on to find that solution, you know? Yeah, that's all I can say. But I love you guys to thank, I love you guys to stuff, I just follow it up on podcast, I can listen to y'all. All right, appreciate, appreciate it. it. So we're just going to do these last two, and then we're going to wrap up. We'll be around, so if y'all want to continue this conversation outside, we got that too. I just want to give the next panel enough time to set up if they're here. I don't know. Well, I just wanted to know, like, connect with what they were saying with their generational barriers were missing, like, whether it's, like, their older cousin who's, like, 10 years older than you, who's also in the anime, but wasn't too open about it. Like my cousin, he's gay, and our uncle, he's also gay, and they were talking about how their experiences being in, like, gay as a young black man, and also being in the anime in relation to that. And I just think it's so beautiful if you can just connect with people that are older than you. Because, like, maybe they, maybe they're really into it. Maybe they were, and they're just like, oh, you know, I used to watch stuff like that when I was young, but they don't really think about it. And you're like, 
you'll probably watch and like that old show. But like, if you connect to them, you're like, oh, well, have you tried this new show? Have you tried this new my my oldest niece, who's twelve years younger than me, she got me into my hero. Not because I like I hadn't heard of it, but when uh like my, my oldest brother and his wife know I'm into anime and they're like checking to see like is this appropriate for her to watch? And so they like they skipped so many anime that I've never heard of. And then I was like, Oh, let me let me read it. And then I was like, Yeah, this is mine now. <laughs> But no, it's just one of those situations where it's like, yeah, no, be that older family member that can be, you know, like, be assist that younger version of you that you did. He's a fun cousin, fun uncle, fun auntie. Yeah. All right, so the reason so you, you mentioned me, though. So I just moved back to Detroit after, like, spending quite a time, you know, mostly at a PWI. Yeah. And the problem is, like, I don't have any roots here anymore because... Everyone I knew when I was growing up in Detroit moved away or... They all moved to Atlanta. <laughs> Man. Uh, yes, it's quite a few of them. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know, one of the things I've been having trouble is finding a black nerdy community locally. Because every time I look for a group, it's like, oh, we're, we're like, you know, Either A, if we're in the area, it's mostly white in like the suburbs, or like, oh, I found a group. We haven't done anything in a, over a year. Yeah, well, I will say that I, I'm pretty like extensively involved in like meetup communities. So there's one called like 20s and 30s New Friends that I've been a part of since 2019. And I mean, I, I will say that, you know, we, we there's like, events that people put on all the time there's board game groups and bar hangouts all sorts of stuff and i mean they're they're the the amount of people that come to those it's pretty diverse you know a lot of events are in detroit or close to detroit so there's always a black presence heavy uh indian middle eastern presence so i mean definitely like it, it's not you know space ain't they all black but it's it's enough of us to feel you know welcome and comfortable so i'm um, definitely if you download the meetup app it's free check out 20s and 30s new friends a lot of fun events um it can kind of slow down a little bit uh after the holidays but typically uh around april march a lot of things pick up and i mean there's you got the hiking kayaking people the board game people the bar games the board i mean there's on bar hopping stuff there's people who um, you know, do random different cultural events and whatnot. Um, I know one of my friends, he does like ice skating downtown. There's like an ice skating event usually when they get the uh, rink up around campus marshes, which is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, just check it out. It's a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff. And I mean, I've met through that, I've met like pretty much all my best like adult friends. Cause I went, I went to school away. Like I saw I grew up here. Went to school in Ohio uh, and then came back and had to make new friends. Yeah. All right. So uh, thank you all for coming out. This was a great discussion. Um, before we go, so the two black, two nerdy podcasts, wherever pods are cast. Uh, I have a link tree with all our socials. Um, my at least content creation stuff is Star Wars Lawyer, all one word on pretty much everything. Uh, so it's pretty easy to find. But uh, Send us home. All right. Well, uh, this has been like kind of our, our first live edition of the Two Black to Nerdy podcast. So until we meet again, uh, live long and prosper. Thanks for coming, everyone. Really appreciate it. And remember, until next time. <laughs>
there are more of us. There are more of us.